Welcome to the Natural Underground, the radio show and podcast dedicated to the natural food industry. I'm your host, Al Springer. Joining me in the studio, a couple of just wannabe experts. Mm-hmm. We've got already doing the mm-hmm is Jesslyn. That's called active listening. <laughs> is it? Letting you know. I'm just reinforcing that I'm here with you, I'm present, and I'm listening. <laughs> Full attention. I don't want to reinforce that at yeah, all I know. The it's guy, not true. The guy looking out the window or probably studying his phone, that voice is Ryan. What's up, guys? Yeah. Do you have anything to contribute? Not yet. Nope. <laughs> he, he's more of a defensive posture, reactive participant. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Ryan likes reacting to things and having opinions on stuff. Arguing. Right. Arguing, arguing about constantly. anything. All right, we're going to talk. You know how we love to pretend like we understand trends mm-hmm. and topics and important news stories in the natural food industry? If you've never listened to this show before, run. We run try now. so hard. You have a moment to get out. Just get out now. Mm-hmm. But we, tr- we this show is all about the natural food industry, right? We're based in Austin. There's a lot of that because of Whole Foods headquarters, a lot of brands. But same thing in Portland, Boulder, Denver, New York, SoCal, Bay Area, all kinds of places that love sort of the natural food world. And in all those places... Local is what's happening, right? Local is the hot topic. It's been a hot topic for probably a decade as people seek mm-hmm. those things out, mm-hmm. right? And they're looking for not just, well, I want to go down to the farmer's market and get like a fresh carrot or tomato. Like I want my prepackaged food as well to be just as conscientious in terms of where this is being sourced. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what's cool, we have a guest on today that you're going to kind of dig so the, there's a brand called Here, which how great is that for like incredible? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean we don't we are curious how you defend that name, but I guess you can. And luckily, our founder meaning or, in a court the, of law, not a, like in our court. Yeah, no, defending <laughs> it. Oh, there's no defending. It's fantastic uh-huh. for a local brand name for local. But um, the person we're going to have on today runs the Here brand, and what it is is imagine the goal of building a national trusted brand. Of, so if you're traveling and you find yourself in Florida, mm-hmm. as we will, uh, you know, talk to someone. We're going to get some great accents yeah, yeah. later. We're going to send some accents on the show and we're convinced that Florida is going to be It's almost like we've heard her be interviewed before. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's almost like we would have recorded that part before this, which couldn't mm-hmm. be possible on, no. on a high class show like Don't reveal our secrets. Uh, Don't look class. at the man behind the curtain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, I don't even remember where I was going, but uh, here brand. Yeah, right? so it's a national company with aspirations to, if I'm in California and I'm eating hummus, I'm going to be eating ingredients from my neck of the woods. Absolutely. And therefore, if I'm in Chicago, I can pick up a similar, their same hummus, but it's going to be different A beans, national brand with local ingredients. It's very ambitious. And I got to right. tell you, w- one day you will try this, even if you don't live in the Chicago area or the Midwest. Is that a promise? And you, <laughs> yeah, you will try this. <laughs> <laughs> I have a particular set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> and it's making sure one day you try a, a dip from <laughs> What a, what a kind brand. promise. Yes, that's, right. <laughs> it is a, that's quite a threat, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to make you enjoy some delicious dip <laughs> one day. It may not be tomorrow, but it'll be soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you will not regret it either. I'll tell you. <laughs> or lose any sleep, really. Yes, you won't lose any sleep uh, worrying about this unless it's more of a kind of a daydreaming of how great it'll be. It's a very odd threat. All right, so we're going to have Megan uh, Klein on. She's going to talk about that. And then in the last segment of the show, we're going to have a new person from the Touch Agency, Mary Jo Marks. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of, that's a cool name. So it sounds, sounds like a cool name. Sounds like someone who owns their own interior design company yes. or oh, something. Yes, oh, it does. Mary Jo Marks. But in like Savannah. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mary Jo Marks. Wait. Oh, you come in here, honey. I don't yeah. know what that was. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounded more like you a get one of your sweet I don't know what that, yeah. I, that, that seemed like a whole different service. Yeah. A little too seductive. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just trying to get some decorations for my house. But I, just I just went different. to my accent part of my brain yeah. and just something weird came out. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that was. Yeah, but no, she's no. great and she actually has a great accent that sounds nothing like what nothing I just like did. Nothing like what we just did. But we're going to have her on to talk about what is she. She, she, she worked at UNFI. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked in retail for a big retailer that you'll hear about, uh, I'm sure, during the interview. But she gets an interesting angle, or has an interesting angle and a viewpoint on kind of what are the hot categories that have gone local. So for all of you, our listeners on the radio side here in Austin, you know, it, it, it's what are the things that you can buy in your local store? For our industry folks, it's like, how do we get ahead of this and figure out what's going to be hot, what the next hot trends are mm-hmm. uh, going forward? Our question today for the three of us, what's your favorite local brand? Play it, man. Play it. Don't you know? Put something tasty in my old pie hole. Held the note. I just did all of them. Held the yeah, note. Okay. That's nice. What's your favorite thing? What's your, lo- what's, <laughs> what's your local product? Well, mine is more of a local thing, and I'm breaking all the rules by doing that. So mm. has anyone heard of the restaurant Daidue? I had that, but there was an ointment for it that I got to apply wah, from the doctor. Wah, mm, wah. Nice one. Mm. Uh, it's a local, well, it's a butcher shop and a supper club. So you can go in there if you want to get some local sausages or meats or something, but you can also go in there and enjoy a meal. And it is all ingredients from Central Texas. So the menu's constantly changing. And you go in, it's like cafeteria style, style seating. So you get to like be a part of your community which I know, Ryan, isn't something maybe you're all that into. I love being a part of my community, Jessalyn. But you get to talk to other people. <laughs> and everything on the menu is local, whether it's the, you know, mm-hmm. hog that you might be eating. They do a whole hog roast as well. Oh, wow. So you can come for this big gathering Ooh. and everything's local. It's really delicious. It's well-respected in the community. And that is that is my local dig. I love it. Mine is called Counter Cafe. Oh, another restaurant? Original, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. It is uh, better than Die Dewey. <laughs> oh, okay. Shots oh, fired. Yeah. No, it's my favorite <laughs> restaurant, honestly, in all of Austin. Really? And Why? when we decided to do this, I just conveniently remembered that it has a lot of local ingredients, but it just puts together <laughs> one of the best hamburgers. The what best do you put pancakes, on your hamburger? A little bit of special sauce. Uh, Not ke- just ketchup. ketchup? Oh, ketchup's involved. Ketchup's heavily involved. Oh, okay. He's got a ketchup It's problem. got a big seat at the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. <laughs> and then the spinach salad is incredible. Uh, it's just amazing. And the service is amazing. It's all these like tatted up, awesome, true Austinites. It's and didn't you say it will place. say stuff on the menu, like details about where... Where, the where stuff are comes from, from yeah. whether it's Marfa, Texas, a lot of Central Texas stuff. <laughs> I just pictured if it was eggs, it was like, these come from chickens. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. A chicken named Carl. It's yeah. uber, yeah. uber local. Well, I'll tell you what mine is. Uh, we don't care. A, okay, thank no, you. No, we care. Go. There's a uh, 12 or 13 or 11, I don't know what it is, mile. It's like half a uh, marathon. Yeah, half a marathon around Lake uh, Town Lake in Austin. Lady Bird Lake, sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry uh, about yeah. that. Yeah, but on the what I call the ultimate sort of back end of the trail around the dam on the east side. I'm riding bikes. I'm tired, and I run into this guy. He's got a little fruit stand, Mm -hmm. and it looks like it's sort of on the beach in Mexico. It's awesome. And this guy has taken coconuts, and he ices them down all morning. Mm -hmm. So the coconut is almost frozen, and he takes a machete when you come up, and he kills you. No, he he slices (laughs) an arm off, and then he puts the coconut where the arm used to be. (laughs) 
No, he he chops the co- uh, hacks the so kind stupid. of corner off the coconut, gives you a straw. So it's so delicious, so yeah. delicious. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, all the promises in the world. Great guests. We've got Megan Klein from Here Brand. A little bit later, Mary Jo Marks. We're going to talk local. You're listening to the Natural Underground. Welcome back. Listening to the Natural Underground. Look, we're very lucky. We talked about how great this brand, this a brand that wants to build a national brand called Here, but made up of local ingredients, mm-hmm. and and how they're starting in the Midwest. And I've been telling Jessalyn because I had a chance to try this stuff. It's just so good. I'm like, so, where where is this for I, me? I know. Well, I'm not in the I'll Midwest. drop I'll drop my address at the yeah. end of this <laughs> at the end. That's a very, product. very smart move. So we are joined by Megan Klein from the brand called Here. Megan, welcome to the Natural Underground. Um, thanks, Al and uh, Jocelyn. I'm really happy to be on the program. Ryan's here too. He's just kind of a quiet. Oh, you know, well, yeah. Ma- Megan's oh, hi, met- Ryan. Sorry. Hey, Megan. Megan's met Ryan. He knows. She already knows he's a dud. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah he's tall. He has. That's his only attribute. He's just he's a tall. flyover. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Um, so tell us about here. It, it is an incredible name, and I want to talk about that in a minute. Like, how do you? How do you defend that name? But uh, well, the secret here is Megan's a lawyer, so she's probably already at least thought about that. <laughs> and, and then what is the brand all about? So what is here? Um, so here is all about bringing people closer to their food. Um, we're called here because um, we're bringing, um, you know, local to label. Um, we make uh, cold-pressed juices, salad dressings, and bean dips. Everything we make contains Midwestern produce year-round. We make it just out of Chicago, and we distribute um, only in the Midwest. So bringing it back to bringing people closer to their food, um, we are connecting them with the farmers who make the products in the food. Um, connecting them with the people who make it right outside of Chicago, Chicago and, um, you know, creating a close-knit community um, centered around celebrating, like, our regional food. Yeah, and how did you go? So I imagine the first step was to establish those relationships with, with you know, finding those local ingredients in the Midwest. How did you go about doing that to begin with? Exactly. So we, um, we built everything from the ground up, literally. Um, we... We knew a lot of farmers, so we started out with the farmers we knew. And a good example is uh, Mighty Vine. It's a oh, beautiful 14-acre yeah. greenhouse um, in Rochelle, Illinois. They make um, pesticide-free tomatoes. So um, we knew we could get tomatoes year-round. We knew we could get basil year-round from a number of our like basil-producing friends, like Green Sense Farms in Portage, Indiana, Meyer Farms in Wakanda, Illinois. Um, we can get wheatgrass year-round from a farm in Chicago here called the urban canopy. Um, and then we went to our local distributors who work with a lot of farmers and, um, you know, they helped us expand our spectrum. So we learned from local foods distributor here in Chicago that there are bean farmers in Michigan that grow thousands of acres of um, dry beans. So the beans from the Carlson Arbogast Farm in Howard City, Michigan are the base of our bean dips. Um, they also connected us with Michigan apple growers that have year-round Michigan apples, which go into our juices. Um, 
um, you know, and more of a broader carrot, onion, other producers. Wow. So that... we looked to see what products we could get 365 days a year, and then we, um, you know, created our recipes and our categories based off of those. Yeah, and you, I mean, what's so wild in terms of uh, sort of uh, the transparency of it, the traceability, you are dropping those names on us right and left mm-hmm. of specific farmers. That's spectacular. Give us an example of how did you, you know, do you, as did you just reach out to one of them? Did you know them already? How, how do you do that? Because that can't be that easy. I, I tend to think of buying from suppliers and other stuff, but you went right to the farmer and established this relationship. What did that look like? Well, in my prior life as a lawyer, Al, as you know, um, I actually was a farmer. I was a lawyer for some of these farmers. Oh, that's funny. Our wheatgrass farmer, I did his first urban farm lease at the plant in Chicago. I had worked with uh, Mighty Vine as a lawyer before also. Then I was a farmer. Um, As you know, I used to um, help run Farmed Here, which was an organic um, warehouse farm. We grew basil and microgreens. Um, So we had a lot of farmer friends through that, such as, like, the other basil farmers that I mentioned. Um, And, you know, we had been... Um, the local food scene in Chicago is fantastic. There are a lot of, there's the, uh, um, the family farmed, um, good food conference here where you meet a lot of farmers. We had just, you know, been, we'd been farmers and we'd been in the farmer circle in the Midwest for a while. And so we had a lot of existing relationships and then the, um, local distributors are great about connecting us to the farmers. So they'll say, you know, for example, with the bean farmers, they, we didn't know about these bean farmers. And then we called them up and said, we are making products out of your dips. Can we come visit you? And then we, you know, built a relationship based on the distributor uh, introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd like to say that if you ever expand to Austin, I have a very small basil plant that I keep in my window, and (laughs) it has like 20 leaves, and um, I'm not very good at remembering to water it. (laughs) So I can be your distributor if you would like. Yeah, uh, Jessalyn thinks there's a revenue model off of that plant, the one plant she has, but I like it. She's working that angle. We got to see this plant. (laughs) I like basil. It's sturdy. It takes my constant overwatering and underwatering. Yeah. So I was going to ask about the products. What product did you launch with, and then what came next? Um, so we launched with our salad dressings. Um, mm-hmm. We launched officially at the Good Food Festival um, in March of 2017. Um, we launched with our salad dressings. They were um, the same salad dressings of a brand, our, our old brand, our brand called Farmed Here. Because we stopped being farmers, we dropped the farmed out of our name. So we rebranded the dressings as Here in April. And then um, because we are also the manufacturer, so what's great about us is we're vertically integrated. We could not be the brand that we are sourcing from all these local farmers if we weren't also making the product. I, I can't imagine a mm-hmm. co-packer taking on because it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, so our we our manufacturing facility was already making cold-pressed juices um, on a private label basis. So in May, we launched with five flavors of cold-pressed juice. And then in June, we launched our bean dips at Whole Foods. We have six skews of um, Michigan bean hummuses. Yeah, they look really beautiful. I'm looking at the packaging online as well. So, oh, thanks. Yeah, so how so you said that you saw what ingredients would be available year round and then can you talk a little bit about how the recipe creation began? Um were you just trying things? Uh do you have a chef that you were working with? How did this happen? So, yep, so we did um we do have a chef that we're working with. So we gave her um 
we took ideas for um, the bean dips, for example, based on um, what we liked. We looked at trends in the marketplace, and then we looked at the shelves, and, and we wanted to, you know, kind of identify flavors that would be unique and, like, giving customers something new but also accessible and not so far out there that people would want to eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a it was a mixture of just like um, in-store surveying, um, a little bit of data about trends, and then um, our own personal tastes. I'm really excited about this beet dip. That looks really good, as well as edamame. Oh, everything. They're all really yeah, good. I mean, I've had the whole line. It's oh, unreal. spectacular. Yeah. Well, We're going to need to talk after with. this because I need and these immediately. It's here. you got to be in Chicago. I'm to down there. The, the beet dip. And then um, after we came, kind of came up with the general flavor profiles, then we worked with the chef to make sure that they tasted really good. So our chef's name is Alia Dalal. Um, she is like a pretty well-known health and wellness chef here in Chicago. Um, and before even working with us, she already, like, has a really good network of kind of local farmers that she works with. Um, she promotes um, eating the rainbow and making things taste good without adding too much, um, you know, really any sugar, but salt, sugar, fat. Like, she um, does a good job of creating a good taste without those things. So if you um, look at the nutrition information on our bean dips, for example, um, because we don't use tahini and because we use a minimum amount of extra virgin olive oil, our dips have up to 80% less fat than a traditional hummus like a sabra mm-hmm. um, and they are higher in nutrients because um, we're using the vegetables um, instead of the tahini. So Megan, one of my favorite aspects of here is your kind of minimalization of food waste. Can you speak to how you guys do that? Sure. So um, we, you know, we We've always wanted to do as much as we can with food waste. Um, the way that the salad dressings were built at Farm Tier was we would take our ugly basil or the basil we couldn't sell, freeze it, and make it into salad dressing. Um, and you know, one of the one of our um, drivers behind creating here was to also minimize food waste. So we work with the farmers, and this is still a model that's being built out. Certainly not all of the food that we use is food waste because we don't have a way to quantify that yet. But um, most of the time, we're taking produce second. So, for example, Mighty Vine Greenhouse, they make gorgeous tomatoes, um, but the ones on the bottom of the vine are naturally yellow or orange. Those would either go into compost or, you know, just uh, be sold to other people as produce seconds. So what we're buying on the tomatoes are those, like, produce seconds, the one that the grocery store would not take. Another good example is Green Sense Farms Basil. They sell potted basil that has to be a certain height. Um, they were composting the basil that was too short or too tall for their container. Oh, wow. Um, and we um, bought that basil. So we, you know, we eliminated that waste stream for them and created value for the farmer, which is really important to us. I think that's so cool because all you see in the news is how incredibly wasteful Americans are in terms of our food system. And oh, I think- oh, my gosh. I went to the um, – the- I love the nonprofit organization Food Tank. I went to their food waste conference um, mm-hmm. last week in New York, and, um, you know, it's all about, like, we, we waste one-third of our food. Um, and we're we're wasting all of this farmland to feed animals that we then waste the food that they produce. Um, so anything that we can do to help reduce food waste, we're going to do. And, um, you know, we're working with distributors now to talk to the farmers and tell them, listen, if you're getting to the end of the season and you have a bunch of kale or spinach that you can't sell, like, please 
give it to us and we can buy that produce and um, freeze it and, um, you know, use it. So we're, that's something that we're dedicated to, like, we're dedicated to building out, um, like, our plan to minimize food waste. Uh, and by doing blended products like we have, um, we're in a, we have a really good platform for that. Yep. One more question before the break. So I imagine that the bigger picture is to replicate what you're doing in the Midwest around the country. But since it's so built on those relationships with farmers, uh, is that daunting? Uh, I know you've got to work on being super successful in the Midwest first, but have you started that process or have you thought about it a lot or what does that look like? Yeah, no, not at all. It's fun. Um, the great thing about what we're doing is um, farmers are pretty excited about it, um, especially, you know, local farmers, like not a giant commodity farm. They generally do have additional product, um, and they're excited to have an opportunity to sell their, like, uglies or their seconds um, to a product that then has a longer shelf life yep. and is a brand. And then also, you know, if you go to our website, you can find some videos. We, we're all about promoting um, the farmers. I don't really, I don't need to promote myself, right? I need, we have a video um, showing our visit to the Carlson Arbogast farm. So um, farmers are generally pretty excited. We hope that to create additional revenue and additional um, awareness of what they do. And what's so, that, and what's that we, website? We're going to take a break in a second, but what's that website for people that want to look at, at the brand? It's um, here.co. So H-E-R-E.co. Perfect. Look, we're going to take a break, but can we keep you around for one more round? Absolutely. All right. We have to take a short break. When we come back, more with Megan Klein from here. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back. You're listening to The Natural Underground. We've been talking with Megan Klein from here, an amazing brand made up of local ingredients, featuring wonderful local, local ingredients from local farmers in the Midwest. We're going to turn our attention now to a little bit more of the entrepreneurial side. So, um, first of all, Megan, welcome back. Thank you. It's great yeah. to be back. Yeah. So, we're going to get way too personal here. That's not true. We're just going to ask you some questions. <laughs> Um, well, you know, where did you grow up? And I, um, I'm curious if, if this whole sort of farming thing and law was part of your big dream or how did that all happen? <laughs> it's funny. If you look at my resume, what I'm doing now is the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, um, I grew up in Milwaukee, um, Wisconsin. I went to school out East. I went to law school, um, at Fordham and I, you know, I was, primarily an environmentalist. I worked at a big firm in New York for years. Um, I did a really stupid thing. I quit my job without a job in the summer of 2009. I started a rooftop farm in Brooklyn, <laughs> a small one. Um, and then I took a job in nonprofit environmental law at a great place called Earth Justice. At Earth Justice, I helped start their factory farm practice, meaning like, um, you know, trying to regulate and, and minimize uh, factory farms, like factory hog farms in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Uh, my goal 
has always been to, um, you know, create a more sustainable food system. I thought that the way I wanted to do that was through law. Um, but, you know, after working with entrepreneurs and companies, I realized I wanted to be on the other side of things and create something. Um, and so I moved to Chicago about six years ago, and I started um, working with a lot of um, urban farmers. Chicago has a great, great urban farming scene and, and um, you know, kind of controlled environment farming scene. We have uh, Mighty Vine. We have Gotham Greens, which has a 60,000-square-foot uh, rooftop greenhouse. We have Bright Farms. Um, we have a really high concentration of farms within um you know, kind of a 100-mile radius of the city of Chicago. Um, so I started working with a lot of those. And I, um, at first, as their lawyer, you know, food people always need help um, in the law. And then um, now I flipped and am now an entrepreneur like those I used to try to help. Yeah, now, so I was just in Chicago this past weekend, and I'm always raving to people that in the summer it's just the greatest city on earth because – well, I, I did the, the Divi bike rental and went from about Navy Pier up to, I, I'm not kidding, practically to Evanston and back. It was a long ride on one of those goofy, heavy blue bikes. But it's just such a wonderful city. But in the winter, it's such not a wonderful city in terms of it's so cold. So how, how are people growing this stuff inside? Is that what you mean by, uh, I should know this, but I'm just curious, is it, how are they growing in the winter up in, in Chicago? Well, yes. So I can give you an example. Wheatgrass is always grown inside. So our wheatgrass farmer has an 800-square-foot farm, which is a room um, in a great incubator called the Plant Chicago um, in back of the yards in, um, in Chicago proper. Um, our tomatoes come from a greenhouse, which is, uh, you know, about 88 miles west of Chicago. Um, our basil comes from Portage, Indiana from Green Sense Farms. They're an indoor farm. Um, and our pea shoots come from Chicago's Indoor Garden, which is right in Humboldt Park in Chicago. Um, and then, you know, the beans, we buy dry beans. So the beans are harvested in the fall, but they're stored year-round. Gotcha. Um, Makes so sense. That's it. Um, and apples are similar to, you know, we're harvesting apples now um, through the fall, but the our Bell Harvest, for example, is our apple supplier. They work with only Michigan growers, and they have um, modified atmosphere where they can um, store apples year-round. And then um, there's, like, a lot of great advancements in the Midwest with what are called hoop houses. Our, uh, hoop houses is basically like a an economical greenhouse made of plastic, and it allows Midwestern growers to grow things like kale and spinach year-round. So we could get kale and spinach year-round from city farms here, such as Windy City Harvest, um, or you know, year-round from places we would go as far south as Missouri in terms of our Midwest sourcing. In, in terms of the name, and especially with your law background, uh, when you came up with the name, were you concerned at all in terms of protecting the name or how, how did that happen? Um, you know, uh, we are, but, um, we, we know that it's, here is a perfect name for us because um, we we are here because we're local. We are here because we're present in our farmers' lives. We're here because we're present in our team members' lives and in our customers' lives. We're bringing people closer to their food. And, um, you know, we have the legal plan on how to protect that name, but also 
I think it really resonates with people once they get oh, to know it does. us. It does. It's like it's validation. If I'm theoretically, I always take myself out into the future. And if I'm traveling in Miami and I see here, I now have the trust of knowing, okay, these guys have, they're true believers. They're really into it, but it's also made from local products to that area. That's it. That'll be a huge play in the future. And I think retailers, I could see getting excited about that. Yeah, and, and, you know, yeah, and the retailers actually do like the name. It takes a second. You know, a lot of times I'm, like, here, like, I'm here. But then that's even fun because there are a lot of great <laughs> There's a lot of on who's on first right. kind you of jokes. I'm, I'm here, and they're like, yeah, well, yes, yes, you are. But what's the name of your brand? I'm here, right. and I'm also here. That's right. <laughs> so, Megan, the packaging is really clean, minimalist design. How did you pick that design style? Did you engage a branding agency? What happened there? We have the best um, funders who are also a branding agency. They're um, listen.co, if you want to look them up online. Um, they're ex-Leo um, Burnett guys that mm. have some experience with CPG, and uh, we, like their, we like them as people. We also like their design aesthetic. So um, we wanted the food to tell the story. So as you can see from our packaging, it's clean white background, and then it's um, photographs of the types of fruits and vegetables and other ingredients that actually go into our product. How did you get into your first retail store, and what was it like seeing your product on the shelf for the first time? Oh, so exciting. I remember <laughs> um, we got into the stores. Um, we had relationships before having been farmers, and so we strengthened those relationships, and our, um, you know, the buyers were very supportive of us and also excited to be able to have local in a new area of the store. Um, so we continued existing relationships, and that's how we originally got on shelf. I'll never forget the weekend that our juices hit Mariano's for the first time. Um, you know, I, I went into the Mariano's that's just a block away from me and took pictures of the juices. Um, it was incredible to see what we had been working on for months first on shelf um <laughs> i did our first the the week that our bean dip, bean dip demos launched at whole foods i did a, a demo at um the east lansing um whole foods store <laughs> i had like record sales on the bean dips because i was so excited about the launch there's like never been a more enthusiastic demo person in whole foods That's i sold funny. like 60 uh 60 bean dips what has been the biggest challenge for you so far in building the hero brand um, the biggest challenge for us is probably um, scaling up. Um, we, from a supply chain's perspective, we're good. We, you know, before um, we created the products, we made sure that we could secure the local supply chain, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, now that we've gotten on shelf, the challenge is how to increase velocities and stay on shelf. We do have merchandising teams and demo teams, but, um, you know, as we go from we're in 175 stores today, we launch at Jewel next month, which brings up us up to about 350. Um, it's putting the right team in place and making sure that we are really executing on our promises in the way that's going to make us successful. So I mean this in the most complimentary way, <laughs> but you are one of the most go-getting, go-getter entrepreneurs in the world. And for our retail buyer listeners, I get an email from a buyer almost after every show. Um, don't be surprised if Megan just shows up one day in your lobby and has some products to show you. But, <laughs> but I know that and that's not normally what you do. I get that. I just think there's that element that's fantastic of what, what I think you're sort of a way of doing it. What is your advice to like, where does that come from? And what's that your advice? And we only have about 30 seconds left, but what's that advice that you would offer to another entrepreneur who wants to do something like that? You know, where, where well, do you get I that energy? 
I'm just so passionate about what um, we're doing and, like, all of the good that we can do through this HERE brand. Um, and I think I bring that to the retailer with, like, a humbleness. Like, yes, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I will execute for you well, and we will um, – figure this out. I mean, I think it all just comes down to being able to tell a good story and really being authentic about what you do. Wow, it's so good. And I got to tell you, as good as amazing as this story is with the local farmers and the support, the product is even better. I mean, it is when you try it, you will stop in your tracks and go, okay, I've got a a new favorite dip. I have a new favorite uh, beverage or dressing. It's really good. Uh, Last thing, if people want to get a hold of you to know more about here, how do they do that? Um, my email address is Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at here, H-E-R-E, dot co. You can visit our website, which is here.co, um, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is really great. Thank you very much for having me. It was Thank fun. Thank you. Thanks, Megan. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to get a little more into the world of local. We're going to have Mary Jo Marks, used to be with UNFI and now with the Touch Agency on, to talk about the trend she sees in the retail landscape on the local level. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground. Wow, Jessalyn's just yawning. They couldn't hear that. Uh, I can see it. Um, it's just your general personality yeah, is putting me man, to sleep. we got to pick up the pace on this show, apparently. <laughs> you know when the hosts are yawning, something's gone terribly wrong. I've got uh, my coffee. That's right. Hey, this show has been all about local, right? Hearing about here, and wow, that's kind of hard to say, uh, mm-hmm. got us thinking about all the things local and the trends and maybe the interest in getting into a deeper dive as to what categories tend to lend themselves to local, which ones are hot, which ones are becoming more local. Uh, one I think of for sure is honey, right? Mm-hmm. Honey, it's a, it's amazing when you shop the honey set at, a, at your local grocery store, natural food store. I mean, about half or two thirds of that stuff is, is local. It's or good regional. for your allergies. Yeah. And that's the part of the thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Well, joining us in the, uh, not in the studio, but on the phone today, I guess in the studio virtually, mm-hmm. is Mary Jo Marks. And Mary Jo has an amazing background, and she is now with the Touch Agency, but she really knows retail, really knows the relationship between the big distributor, UF, UNFI, and retailers, and has a good bead on what categories are hot or not. Mary Jo, welcome to the Natural Underground. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. And you're calling in from the beautiful, semi-remote state of Maine, correct? Yes, I am. God, it's got to be gorgeous up there this time of year. Is that fall colors out yet? It is. The leaves are starting to change. It's really starting to look pretty, although we're in the 80s, so I'm not quite sure what's going on at this point. Yeah, well, we're 95 or something nonsensical today, so there you go. Oh, goodness. But we're a couple weeks away, as I'm sure you are. And Jocelyn, we, Jocelyn has never been to New England or the Northeast, Mm-mm. so which is weird. So we got to come up with a reason why she comes up and hangs out and works with you, so Definitely. she can see all that. I, I want a, a cottage, and I want some lobster, <laughs> and I want the experience. <laughs> the full plenty of lobster up here. Yeah, ah, no, there, no, there, there we go. That's right. So, Mary Jo, first a little background. You worked on all sides of consumer packaged goods, the natural food industry, including UNFI. What did you do there? So, UNFI. 
Bonsai, I was the retail training manager slash natural category manager. So a lot of what I did was I worked with the retailers, both CPG and the natural channel, on defining their store, defining the mix, looking at trends. I did a little trends YouTube, but don't anybody look at that now. (laughs) I have. I I really (laughs) kind of did a deep dive into the stores, helped them with financials, you know, based on my Whole Foods experience. So put all the pieces together for them and really assisted them in fine-tuning the mix. And then from that experience, be it retail, distributor, you did some stint as a broker, what what are all those sort of experiences do uh, that allow you to look and say, okay, I can now see what the hot categories are, or I can see the local movement from a different angle? What have you learned from all that? Well, it, actually, it taught me how to tie everything together. Mm. Being retail for so long, I, I saw one side of the puzzle, just basically oh, everybody's bringing me products and what makes it different. And then on the manufacturing side, I got to see the excitement behind the product and what went in it. And then the broker side, I really got to see how to make it come alive, how to take that product and get it to the shelf, educate those buyers. So it was almost a full circle for me. Yeah, and then let's talk local for a minute. From your sort of catbird seat, why do you think, from all those different sort of perspectives, or from that perspective, why do you think local has become so big, and why is it continuing to grow? Well, really, consumers and retailers both want to know where their food comes from. It's farm to table. There was a lot of recalls going on a few years ago, and it's a lot of it's about food safety. It's about what works well with the region. Maine, of course, which I'm going to use, we have blueberries, so it's products kind of centering around that. So really it comes to your consumer wanting to know where they're eating, what they're eating, who they're eating, who they're getting it from. So it's, it's important. It's an important concept. They want to feel like they're supporting somebody that has a cause. And, and the, the ca- you know, what categories, based on that logic, what categories do you see where local has really taken hold, and why do you think that is? Yeah, well, the first, of course, is produce, and that's just because of the regionality. But definitely honey. Beverages have been hot. Cold brew everywhere. Kombuchas. Kombuchas. Yep. local facilities, salsas, dips. So it's been centered a little bit more around perishable because I think that's the simplest for somebody to jump into and make. So to talk more specifically about honey, um, I know that you get to work with Bee Harmony on some projects, and they're doing something interesting where they have like a core set of SKUs, but then they also have these recommended regional SKUs. Can you talk to that sort of hybrid model of some national... SKUs as well as um, some hyper-local options? Yes, and honestly, I'm so excited about this line just because of that. I've I've done honey from all sorts of levels, from being a broker and brokering other brands. And what makes them really unique is, first off, they're an absolute advocate for the bees. So nationally, they can devote a lot more time, a lot more resources, and really make a difference. So that excites me. When you get into the varietals and the regionals, your regions are specific. Um, Maine is fruity. Then you go down to Florida, and it's orange and citrus-based. These guys really have the ability to really dial into those different varietals, what makes them special, but your consumer isn't going to want to buy just one varietal, and how many different spin-offs can you have? Mm-hmm. Some people like just a basic wildflower. Some people want a blueberry-flavored. So 
they give the they give the consumer and the retailer the ability to expand the mix outside of the region where regular local ones really can't do that because they're producing in a certain region. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's like the best of all worlds. Mm-hmm. What categories do you think are next for local? Like what categories maybe local isn't huge now, but do you think the conditions are, are right? Well, what what I think is going to happen now is we're going to get a little more into center store. Some of that has happened, but condiments, mayonnaises, salad dressings, all using what is happening in that region. So, again, like I said, in Florida, orange, up in Maine, blueberries, Midwest, certain flowers. So really taking what is what is grown there and incorporating it into a product that can have a little bit of longer shelf life. So I definitely see center store growing with that. Salad dressing, especially, I think. We just gonna have you on the show every once in a while just to say Florida. Yeah, F L O R I. I know. Florida. My, it's I have, a Boston accent. Well, believe my, it or not. but my relatives were from New York and New Jersey, and they were always like they'd be. You kind of got <laughs> used to whatever they were saying, but then they would get to Florida, it'd be like. So, Bud's down in Florida. <laughs> I was like, Florida? That's awesome. There's like a couple extra words or letters or something in there. That's fantastic. All right. Definitely. So, from a retailer perspective, what are the upsides to working with local producers, brands, or products? So, I think probably the biggest thing is they make your store unique. There's so much competition out there, and you want to find that one thing that is going to drive that consumer into your store only. So that is a plus. And it's also showing community. They really want to go to stores that support community. You know, you see Whole Foods having 5% days for communities. Community involvement is so important. So when the customer comes in and they see that local product on the shelf, they feel a sense of community. And that's probably bigger than anything you could feel. Are there any downsides from the retailer perspective? Yeah, (laughs) there's quite a few. So first off, the locals are small. So a lot of what happens is they don't have main channels of distribution. So you have a buyer that has to, you know, make that extra effort to remember to go buy and order it. It's not in a major distributor. And then the second thing is they may not be able to keep up with demand. That's They're smaller. Sometimes it's just the owner making it. So a lot of times it's hard, especially for a startup, to really keep up with the demand at retail. Got it. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, you know, distributors like where you worked at UNFI or Kehi, I think sometimes they struggle with local companies. In some ways, they seem really built for it, right? Because they have all these local warehouses, local DCs around. So that would seem like it's perfectly set up. But I'm, I'm, I also imagine it's difficult for them because they're used to kind of dealing with national brands. How, what's their attitude towards local? I think they're trying really hard. UNFI has put in a program called Next, N-E-X-T, where they're looking to support emerging brands and local brands. The startup costs are a little lower. Their turns in the warehouse have to be a little lower. So they're trying, and Kehi is trying as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's so many slots in a warehouse, and it goes by movement and by volume. And oftentimes, these local, the smaller, don't have the ability to really advertise with UNFI. So there's not a lot of ways to get the word out. So the product goes in, and then it just kind of sits because they don't have the money for a broker force. So I think with local inside the distributors, as much as they're trying, the brand's having a broker is key. It's getting that word out there, and it's otherwise it's just going to sit in there. It's going to be difficult. So what's your local favorite, or your, what's your favorite local brand in Maine? Oh, boy. It's called Plucked Fresh Salsa. 
So very. I wasn't cool. sure if we were gonna have to beep you out there. Oh, what wow. was the name of that brand? Plucked fresh salsa. Wow, salsa so in Maine. Cool. Now that is not what I would have guessed you would have mm-hmm. said. No. Well, there's blueberries in it. She has a fruity one called Simply Sweet, and it's made right in Portland at a food lab. They have this Portland Food Lab, which is a really great community food lab where these local products can make their products. But, you know, she's very energetic and is in almost all the stores up here, including Hannaford. So I just love the flavors. Amazing. All right. right. I'm going to have to try that. I've always said Portland, Maine is the best Portland in the United States. I'm from Portland, yeah. Oregon, so they're just giving me a hard time. Oh, it's a lot of food there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is. Uh, how cold? So, last question, silly question. We talked about how warm it is. How cold? Like, how cold is a really cold day? We're sitting down here in Austin, so we have no concept. <laughs> well, at night it gets down to about fifty. So that's about the coldest. But we did have a cold snap a couple weeks ago. Where I don't mean was- now. I mean in January. Oh, in January, how cold? Oh, it gets probably minus ten. Okay. I think it's pretty cold. Yeah. I think we had 70 feet of snow last year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. That's incredible. It was just a lot of snow. <laughs> well, enjoy your 80-degree weather, and then enjoy your uh, scratchy sweater or whatever uh, Ryan <laughs> referred to. We mentioned Maine early in the mm-hmm. show. Right. Uh, it's great having you on. Thank you so much, Mary Jo. We'll talk to you. We'll get you on here soon. Okay, great. Have a All great right. day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, that was our show for this week. Thank you for listening to The Natural Underground. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you at info at thetouchagency.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, and we encourage you to listen to us next week, whether you're here in Austin or down in Florida. <laughs> or up in Maine eating lobster. Up in lobster. Maine eating lobster. Peace have out. a good rest of your Bye. day.